Good evening and welcome to this week's special edition of Your Ghost Stories. We apologise for missing last week's show as my mum is really ill and with trips to the hospital and scheduling future guest appearances we couldn't make it work. Nevertheless we're back and Jamie will return soon after a well-deserved holiday. We've been overwhelmed by the fantastic response from all of you as we explore the fascinating realm of the paranormal. If you have a spooky tale to share, please reach out to us at yourghoststoriespodcast.com using our contact form. We'd love to hear about your eerie encounters. Your support means the world to us, and if you really enjoy what we're doing and wish to keep us going, consider buying us a coffee through the link provided below this episode. We are truly grateful for your support. For this week's show, as we are now 16 episodes into the Your Ghost Stories podcast, for our newer listeners out there, we have compiled some of our favourite creepy stories from our guests this year. So turn the lights down low, sit back and prepare yourselves for Your Ghost Stories. Your Ghost Stories. That's not the only story I have from that room either. This one actually happens... A lot later, in fact, this is probably my most recent story. So I'm going to jump forward in time a little bit and then jump back. Um, because that spare room, I had a really odd sleep experience. Um, so I'll throw it in here because I think it maybe ties in with kind of what my sister was experiencing when she was um, living here. Um, but yeah, like when I must have been 20 at this point, I come back from university. And um, I was staying in the spare room. Um, and I remember I was sleeping like quite badly, I think, probably just some like stress. Um, but um, essentially what happened was I was asleep slash awake. Um, I think the best way to describe it is probably sleep paralysis um, in the bed in the spare room. And to paint the scene a little bit, there's a window to the right of the bed. Um, and then to the left of the bed is the door out into the main corridor. And um, this is maybe my only experience of sleep paralysis um, or something very similar. But I witnessed very vividly um, a figure dressed in all black um, with the biggest knife that I think I've, I've ever seen <laughs> kind of picking his way through the window. And then he jumps in through the window and marches right to left around the bed and I follow him with my eyes and I see him basically reaching for the door handle. At that point, he literally pops out of existence um, and I am suddenly definitely 100% awake. So it was, it was one of the most, just it sent my heart rate absolutely flying. I was covered in cold sweat. But it, it was so weird because I'd like, I, I felt like I, I saw this figure in real time. And the fact that I could see him pop out of existence, I can only assume I hallucinated it through some kind of sleep paralysis. Um, but it was so uncharacteristically odd for me um, in terms of like dreams and stuff. Like I have, I have pretty normal dreams. I never have anything quite like that. Um, and it was the first time I've been in the room in, in quite a few years as well. Um, and uh, yeah, the, the, it's just something about this house and sleeping in it. People have very, very off experiences, it seems. I mean, real or, you know, whether the, you hallucinated that or, you know, whether it 
genuinely was there. All I can say is fuck that. <laughs> yeah, it was it was so vivid. Like I can I can see that like perfectly now. And I remember when I woke up from it, I was like playing it over because I was just like that just looks so real. And like if I had seen that figure like go through that door, I don't think I could have ever been convinced that that was not real because it because it just seemed so so visually accurate and the fact that I could there was no kind of like transition between why she was a dream and me being fully conscious it was it, the guy just popped out of existence but everything around him was in the same place so I must have like followed him with my eyes being open but my brain being asleep which that just that just freaks me out <laughs> that's just a whole other level of 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 bizarre for me there's totally something about you know the the dream state and the spirit world you know from from all the stories that i'm sure you've heard as well there's you know there's definitely some kind of connection there with um with the two worlds definitely definitely i think there's as as i going back to what i said at the the very beginning i think there must be some kind of scientific explanation for the supernatural the paranormal and i think maybe there is some kind of connection there um through like you know the dream state and and sleep um there must be some kind of um like no man's land um that maybe we don't fully understand yet um and then beyond that i have two other stories which kind of close off my experiences um but the two two of the creepier ones i think um and uh they're both relatively recent so i'd say one is from when I was around 18 or so. So I'm talking like 2015 or so. Um, and I was, at the time I was living in the room that I'm in right now. Um, and essentially I had like my computer set up. I did a lot of work um, in here. Um, and I was away from home. I can't remember where I was. I was probably at the pub or a gig knowing me. Um, and my parents were pretty sure that I was still here and I just had my door closed, which was quite uncharacteristic for me. I used to have the door open when I was here. Um, but they were just kind of like, you know, shouting, just like, you're right, anything you need. Um, I think like, you know, just asking if I was anything to eat, if I was going to stop myself out or whatever. Um, and apparently the reason they were pretty convinced I was in this room is because they could hear my computer keyboard very clearly just typing. And when I didn't respond, they got quite concerned because they, they, they really respect my privacy, my parents, and, and they never used to kind of walk in. So they refused to like open the door, but they were like knocking, being like, Sam, you're right. And apparently they just heard me just typing away quite ferociously on the keyboard. And they were really, really surprised when I walked through the door like an hour later. They're just like, I thought you were obsessed. And then they told me all about what they'd experienced. And it was really, really bizarre. Um, and maybe she was quite, I don't know, quite exposed to really the fact that something like that was happening in my room when I wasn't there, kind of thing. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's quite a short one, but it was one of the uh, one of the more I don't know indisputable experiences I had, or rather, my parents had. Did it leave any uh, notes on your computer? It or was didn't. Actually, in there. At the time? That's the thing, because my computer was like off. It was like locked, um, so there was nothing on there. But I, I would I would say that I did definitely check to see if like any like word documents have been or maybe some emails have been sent. Um 
<laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> when you open your notes and you just see great grandma was it. Was <laughs> he just kind of like sense and chain mail or something? It's it's crazy. I don't know how you could sit in the in the room you're in now and and you know retell these stories because <laughs> I I don't think I'd be able to sit in that room and uh, you know just listening to your stories gives me shivers. Oh, well, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you're not the only one because <laughs> it's like man this yeah so some of the things that we've experienced in this house were were very strange. It's interesting that you know although your parents might not be strong believers of this kind of stuff they've actually had an experience that they cannot explain themselves definitely like that's that's the thing i think it's probably because my my parents are very reserved and um and i completely respect that decision um but they they've definitely between them had their fair share just like we can't explain this um and i think my mom in particular just kind of like just tries not to think about it kind of thing because of course, like it's a family home, she she doesn't want to think that it's infested with uh with the unknown. Um, so I completely understand that. But yeah, it's, it's one of those things. Like as as I said at the, at the beginning, you know, multiple people have experienced these things, and that's what makes it really hard to kind of justify and and just kind of ignore. And um, my final story actually. Involves another person, new person, a new character. Um, who I'm sure you won't mind for his name. His name's Josh. He's one of my best mates, and um, he's yeah, he's he's just really cool. And um, essentially, we met like I think we met in college. Um, and one, I try to remember when this was. This was probably about 2017 or so. So it was probably about 19 or 20. Um, we had been at a, maybe a gig or something. We've been out. Um, and he ends up coming back here um, because driving home was quite far for him. So I was just like, you can just stay in the spare room. Um, and we ended up coming in this room, which I was living in at the time. And um, I, um, we were both just kind of sat on the bed. And we'd very briefly kind of like talked about creepy stuff. I, in fact, I think I um, recited some of the stories that I've told you today. And um, I remember really clearly, um, we were sat on the bed and the computer, the aforementioned computer with the aforementioned keyboard um, was in the corner. And essentially, we were talking and then suddenly it just kind of turned itself on, which is really surreal. When that happened, the curtains next to it started kind of like moving. It was almost like, it didn't look like they were being blown. It looked like something had pushed them, if that makes sense. Um, it wasn't kind of a gentle transition. It was quite a, quite a sudden transition. Um, and then within maybe one or two seconds, something, I have no idea what it was. I assume it was like a pen or something just rolled off the desk. And then slightly further to the right of the room, I had a bunch of lanyards hanging off the door handle and those just all started rattling. And we both witnesses, this all happened in the space of less than five seconds. It was like a, it was like a transition um, of, of things moving at once. And we just both kind of like watched it happen and looked at each other and we're just like, what the hell was that? And I can't explain it. it the fact that the computer turned itself on would have required quite a lot of physical power. And then just everything else moving in the way that it did was just very surreal. <laughs> Wow, Sam, these these stories are incredible. It sounds like you need uh, 
a priest or something around your house. <laughs> You'd think, wouldn't you? By God, don't know if my, if my parents would ever, <laughs> would ever let that happen, though. <laughs> but, yeah, as, as I say, I've had some, some freak stuff happen. And I've spoken to, to Josh about it since, and he, he remembers it as clearly as I do. And, and as I say, it's just, it's just the sheer about the people that have experienced something and when there's been people experiencing, like more than one person experiencing something happening at one time, that's just weird to me. I, I feel like you don't see that a lot, or you don't hear about that a lot. Generally, when people recite um, stories of the unknown or the paranormal, it's like, this thing happened to me, but I don't have anyone to corroborate it. It's, it's my way against yours kind of thing. But I have like, you know, at least two experiences. I actually know at least three experiences where more than one person could be like, I was there, I saw what happened to you. Which I feel like it adds up to something, but who am I to who am I to say? <laughs> I totally understand that. Do you find that um there could be long periods of time where um there was just no, no activity? Cause especially in, in my in the house that I grew up as a kid, there'd been many times where there had been activity and it'd been like periods where there was a lot of activity and it it would seem like it would go f- for a long time where there was like no activity at all and then something would ha- start like up again and whether with my brother saw something or my mum saw something or, or heard something or you know one of my many ex-girlfriends um <laughs> sent something but yeah do you find that happens yeah definitely um i think i think it's it's been very infrequent to be honest um we have had periods of time where lots of things have happened in kind of like a a small dose as it were um but for example i'm trying to think of the most recent thing that i've experienced personally in fact anyone in this house has experienced and i think that's probably i think the most recent thing was probably my sleep paralysis uh, so and that was god that's pre-covid um so it was yeah it was quite a while ago um and i, I, I don't even know like I guess, like, if we talk about the sleepwalking thing, I guess that was quite a constant thing. Um, but even then, if you take that out of the equation, it seems like there can be a couple of years between experiences in this in this house. So it's it's very infrequent, um, and I think that's probably what makes it all the more remarkable when it does happen. Because I think it, every time it has, it's kind of taken us off guard a little bit, and we're just like, oh wow, that was a that was definitely a specific <laughs> specific experience um yeah but i think i think that's quite a common thing for things to kind of settle down for a long time and some and suddenly something kind of jumps out of nowhere and, and catches you off guard one thing that's really stuck to me from your stories is um so going back to the start where you said about the the door handle used to be on the other side yeah and your sister then sleep well like, how do you explain that and then like you say your sister's sleepwalking and she's confused, not that she's ever seen the door handle on that side of the room, but um, but I'm sure maybe, you know, your your great-grandma did. Yeah, it's, it's, that's one of the really weird ones. I didn't actually know about that story until a couple of weeks ago. Um, as, as I say, you know, my sister and uh, it, was, it was my sister, her husband and my partner, we all just sat down, um, a couple of drinks and just kind of talked to her over. It's just like, what have we experienced? And I didn't know anything about that one. And that's a really difficult one to to explain away. I mean, I think there's... I think there's some logical explanations for maybe all of these, but when when it comes down to all these things happening and being so prevalent and being 
just so out of the ordinary um an explanation is is almost out of the question you feel like there must be something more going on um but i i, I do agree with that one story about the door handle that that freaked me out a little bit because i'm just like come on like that's almost base <laughs> i think like all of us talking tonight i think you know we all have quite a strong we're quite skeptical with things that happen i i know i am very much so and i like to you know there's got to be a scientific explanation as, as to why this stuff's happening but sometimes these things just do happen and they they literally have no explanation yeah definitely um i, I guess like the, the one the one with the keyboard um being typed on in my room that that one really throws me off because i can't think of a realistic explanation for that that just seems very unless I was like a mouse, I guess, just like climbing with my keyboard. But I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I I just like to think that was a ghost checking my emails. To be honest, <laughs> I need a ghost checking my emails. Maybe I'll reply to more. <laughs> but um, it's um, I think a lot of the time there really is, you know, a reasonable explanation. But when you know, when more than one person has this same experience at the same time, understandably, if it's just one person you know, your mind is very powerful. The brain's very powerful and your mind can play tricks on you. But yeah, when, when two people have these experiences and by the sounds of your experiences, you know, you've had quite a few instances where there's been more than just you. So um, yeah, it really is freaky and unexplainable. Definitely, definitely. Uh, I'm glad you agree, honestly, because it makes me feel a lot better about my own crazy mind, really. Because <laughs> it's just like, you know, it's, it's one of those things I think naturally... Um, you want to, you want to justify. Well, one of my favorite quotes, actually, it's um, from Sarah Jane Smith of Doctor Who. Is we're only scared of what we don't understand, um, and I think that's very. I don't know. I think that's a very good quote to live by because I think these experiences are only scary because there's no realistic explanation for them. Um, but hell, maybe what maybe one day science will get to a point where we can understand this kind of stuff a little bit more maybe there is an explanation out there or maybe there's not maybe it's destined for humanity to never truly <laughs> um truly understand phenomenons like this but i don't know I, I i live in hope i want to believe yeah i i sort of just see it as um in my mind i try and uh like rationalize it as uh, energies and um i sometimes think of like um residual energy that's been like left in time so to speak because um you know there are many sort of cases of these things happening in the past where you know someone will have like i suppose like a hallucination of something that happened like years and years ago and there's no way that like, it could have been an a, a hallucination but it's more like a um a playback of memory i mean for instance um crystals they can capture memory that's how we watch dvds you know it literally captures memories on the dvd so i who knows what the world is really really like but um yeah it definitely makes life a bit more interesting when uh, these things happen definitely but i think again i think it's uh, important not to um dwell too much on it as as well in 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 the sense of you can try and um you know in your mind think in a logical way but sometimes you just have to accept it and move on otherwise you can end up either scaring yourself to death like any any time you see your shadow you're jumping yeah you know, or you drive yourself crazy definitely yeah 
It's really interesting, actually, you mentioned kind of like um, situations where people have like remembered memories that aren't theirs and were for many years before they were born. Because there's certain cases where people have managed to lead people to bodies and stuff, isn't there, where, um, and I find that stuff crazy, because there must be some kind of explanation there. There must be something that we haven't quite uncovered yet. I mean, the human mind's crazy, isn't it? Like, it's, it's so powerful. Um, and we don't give it enough credit, really. Um, and uh, to Totally agree with you. Um, but going back to our first episode, so I actually had an experience of what I believe to be a reincarnation um, from myself. Really? Um, but I, I won't tell you about it on this episode. Uh, I'm gonna you feel free to have a listen to the first episode, and you'll hear my uh, whole experience in its entirety. Nice plug. Nice but, plug. Uh, I like uh, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got you got to listen to episode one. You got got to go from the beginning. You got to go for the prequel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's it. Definitely reincarnation's fast pacing, though. Um, because it's again, it's one of those things. Like there's, there's definitely experiences um, that have, you know, have some kind of real world implications which you can't ignore. Um, and it's, I know, I just, I just find that stuff fascinating. And it will again comes down to the human brain um, and just how crazily powerful it can be. Um, I mean, if you think about what kind of like there's certain like hypnotherapies and stuff that can help um alleviates yeah like physical uh, things I've done, I've done hypnotherapy when when I was uh, a few years ago when I was looking for the kind of therapist and stuff I gave hypnotherapy a go and um it's crazy how much that stuff can can actually impact you physically um and it's the brain is very susceptible definitely 100% and who's to say there's forces that we don't yet understand um that can plant information um and and we've and we've just turned that reincarnation because we don't quite understand it yet. Um, yeah. Oh god, I love this stuff. It's been so long since I had an in-depth conversation about this stuff, and I'm having a great time. We're glad you're having a great time, Sam. You've been an absolutely incredible guest. Like we're so honoured to have spoke to you. You're a great speaker. Oh, thank you. And your stories are terrifying <laughs> yet so interesting at the same time. I, th I think I always ha I've always come across as quite a quiet person. I think a lot of people who know me IRL will agree. Um, that I also have just like these really weird experiences. So once once I get onto a topic that I'm really quite passionate about, God, I can speak for hours. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I just I just find this stuff. Yeah, I just find it absolutely fascinating. And and thank you for for giving me a chance to kind of share it a little bit because I've I've never I've never kind of spoken this in depth about it to to yeah in like any context like this. Obviously, I always have a little heart to heart with people and to be like, yo, do you believe in do you believe in this stuff? Am I alone? But no, it's, it's been fun to kind of get out in the world. That was taken from episode two of our chat with Sam about growing up in a haunted house. Next, we will hear from the Spine Chillers and Serial Killers podcasters on their tales. Haunted Manor. Okay, so when I lived in England, so this would have been back in the late 80s, um, we lived on the grounds of a manor house. So the manor house, if I remember correctly, dates back to the 16th century. I mean, it's been renovated and bits have been added on since then, but the, you know, the original foundation is from the 16th century. And it had been turned into a college um, for teaching assistants. So the teaching assistants would come on conferences, etc. They would stay multiple days. So it, it was set up. Um, they had restaurants and bedrooms and, you know, for people to be able to stay for these courses. Um, and my dad ran it. And because he was the boss of it, 
we had a house that came with a job and the house was actually in the grounds of this manor house. So even though we didn't live in the manor house, there are, I am aware of quite a lot of activity that happened there. So firstly, the, the biggest one for me, because a lot of people witnessed it, was during a conference, there was a stable boy. Well, I say stable boy. He was walking across the old stables dressed in like, I don't know, like a brown flat cap and brown breeches and long socks. You know, you can kind of picture the, I don't know, is that Victorian? I don't know. And he walks across this courtyard just like solid. He's not floating or transparent or anything like that. And 50 people in that conference room all saw him and they all pointed it out because they thought the college was putting on some kind of a show for the day, you know, some kind of, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Entertainment? Yeah, some kind of entertainment for the day, but they weren't. And that little boy did not exist. And yet 50 people saw him walk across the stable yard. So that's that's pretty creepy. I mean, very creepy, some would say. Was it in broad daylight as well? Yeah, this was middle of the day. Yeah, yeah, middle wow. of the day. Um, the housekeeper had a house that was actually attached to the manor house. So it was part of it. And he said, like, almost every night he would hear horses whinnying, kicking buckets, just generally making horse noises coming from the stable blocks that had all been turned into bedrooms. So there were no horses. So I think he was just like hearing residual noises from back when it was full of horses. And on multiple occasions, he heard a horse and carriage come up the driveway towards the manor house. And obviously there was nothing there, but it's a pretty unmistakable sound, a horse and carriage, you know, the clippity clop and stuff. Yeah. That was good, uh, you know, good description, clippity clop. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> we, we don't need to put any sound effects <laughs> on, so we'll just, we'll just use that as a sample. Um, my dad, now, he never actually saw anything terrifying, but the interesting fact about these this manor house was that on the grounds were three gravestones. Now, they weren't for humans, they were for dogs. So there were three dogs, I don't know, that had passed at some point and somebody had actually built them like a little tomb with their own gravestones and everything. So my dad, when he was working down at the manor house, would be constantly tripping over dogs that weren't there. Wow. What, would he would he see them or they just feel them like? No, he'd, he would just feel them. He'd walk backwards. And my dad had worked with dogs all his life. He'd been um, a dog trainer in the army. so And we'd had dogs all our lives. So he knew what a, it felt. I know what it know, feels like. Everybody fault. knows what yeah. it feels like to trip over a dog. A soft, furry, but very unmovable object. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. And you're like, you, you little fucker, get out my feet. So, yeah, he was constantly tripping over dogs that weren't there. Um Another time there was a conference going on and my dad went to check that everything had gone well and the speaker said, yeah, everything was fine except this one door that would not stop opening by itself. And my dad's like, what do you mean? There, there isn't a door in there that should be opening by itself. And he's like, well, it was just constantly opening and every time I shut it, it would just open again. It was really annoying. So my dad says, well, go and show me. 
And they go into the conference room and the guy shows my dad a door that's painted shut and that doesn't open. That's freaky. This one always gives me shivers whenever you talk about this one. Yeah. Yeah. So So this guy just kept seeing, you know, he was walking into this room and he just kept seeing this door open. But then when, you know, he went to go prove it to someone or show him the door, like you said, it was just completely sealed shut. Yeah, completely painted shirt. It did oh, not. Imagine the it feeling would not when you see that and you think, "Oh my god!" <laughs> so, how do you explain that without you know your dad just thinking he's nuts? Yeah, yeah. I think my stomach would drop straight away if that if that was me. If I was no, like, I promise oh. it was really there. Yeah. <laughs> no, but the thing is, my dad believed because very shortly after he actually took the position at the college, um, the vicar. Of the, it was a small village up in Yorkshire, and the vicar of the village ca- contacted my dad and said, "Do you want me c- to come down to the college and sort them out?" And my dad's like, "What are you on about? I've no idea what you're talking about." And he said, "Well, it's coming up to Halloween, and uh, I know the spirits down there get a bit um, overactive during this time of year." And my dad was like, "What the fucking hell?" You know, because he he hadn't been there for very long, so he. He, you know, he didn't believe in ghosts at that point, but he sure did afterwards. That's for damn sure. How, how long did he stay working there for? Uh, so we moved to France in 1993. So probably about seven or eight years. A lot of dogs to trip over. So long enough. Yeah. <laughs> it started knowing, oh, that was the sausage dog. Yeah, that was, that was the collie. And that was, yeah. <laughs> It's kind of touching, though, that uh, someone actually, you know, built them little uh, tombs and stuff. I think that's sweet. uh, Mm. Oh, yeah, it was very sweet. It was very sweet. Uh, My brothers actually got jobs um, as waiters because there was a fully functioning restaurant in this manor house for the people on courses. And my brothers actually got jobs waitering. Waitering? Is that a word? Waiting. Waiting. Waiting tables. And... They were walking because our house was like a five minute walk. So they were walking back and they got chased by a dog. And when they turned around to see where the dog had gone, it wasn't there. Oh, didn't like them then, did it? No, it did not. It did not. He's seeing them off the grounds. Um, the, the, The most intriguing story was actually my grandparents came to stay for Christmas and we didn't have enough room at our house. So they stayed at the college because, as I said, there were bedrooms and stuff, so they had a room down at the college. Anyway, my granddad, he wakes up about six o'clock in the morning and there's a little girl by his bed and she was about my age. I think I was about six at the time. And he just assumed that I'd wandered down. As I said, it wasn't a very long walk to see my grandparents. And he was kind of coming out of sleep and thinking, oh, I really need to get Emma back before her parents realise that she's gone kind of thing. And the more he's waking up, the more he's realising that this little girl actually does not look like me whatsoever. She's got, Mm. yeah, she's got a little (laughs) bonnet on her and she's wearing a little pinafore dress and she just reached her hand out and touched him, um, touched his hand and smiled at him. And as she did that, a woman walked through the wall, smiling as well, picked up the little girl and walked back through the wall. Now, my granddad is like, 
was very down to earth Yorkshire man. I mean, he, you know, he would not make this up. He never told my grandma because he knew if he told my grandma, she would freak out and never come back again. But he did go and tell my mum and dad. He was like, I can't believe what I just saw. And my dad said, it's really weird that you've said that because actually where your bedroom is now used to be the old nursery quarters when it was a family home. So that would have been where all the children and their nannies stayed. Our next story comes from episode six of The Old Lady in the Chair. Okay, so we moved in uh, to a house in Brampton when I was 10, so a very long time ago because I'm very old. Uh, so we moved into this house and it was, it was a lovely house. It didn't get any weird feelings. It was it was beautiful. And um, we were there a couple of months and then we could hear what sounded like somebody running up and down upstairs. But it would only be me and my sister that would hear it. So I was 10 and she was 12. So I know that people say that when you're coming into being a teenager, you're more likely to experience paranormal stuff. So we'd hear like, proper like somebody was running full speed and we knew it wasn't our neighbor because he's he was like we could hear him so we knew his noises and we knew it wasn't our cats and then so we were like to our parents like did you hear that and they were like no no we, we never hear it and we're like home alone and then as we got older we would hear it more and more and then my friends would come over and they would hear it and then we would hear like banging on the floor things started to go missing and that's how it all started and then, how old was I? So when I was about 14, 15, so the, the banging and the and all the stuff disappearing went on for quite a while. And then when I was 15, I saw, um, it sounds so weird saying it, but I saw a ghost for the first time. And it was 1.30 in the morning, I remember that, because my cat had woken me up because he'd sat on my head. And because it's what he did. And um, so I woke up and I was all like, oh, what's going on? Why are you sitting on my head? And then he stopped cleaning himself and he just looked at the wall. So I looked as well. And I just saw this apparition just come out the wall that had no face. And it really, really slowly started to like move across my bedroom. Like it was like it was completely silent and it looked like like smoke. And it went slowly into like my parents' room. And I know it wasn't, um, I can't say the word, sleep paralysis. Is that how you say it? Yeah, yeah. It wasn't that because I was, I was fully awake. Like I was fully awake and I you know my cat was awake as well, as weird as that sounds. So that was the first time that I was all like, oh, that's what all that noise was. So how would you describe the way this looked? I know you said it kind of looked like smoke, but did it look like a person or was it just kind yeah. of a, a ball of energy or? No, it was a woman. So she had like, I couldn't remember the clothes. It was just, I know it's like really stereotypical, but it was white and just hovering way off the ground. And so like kind of like a clothes kind of turned into like nothing and it had like a trail behind it. So like, you know, the what you think of a ghost, that's what it looked like, but it had no face whatsoever. So you could see everything from the head to the toes kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. Full, full body apparition. And I shat myself. <laughs> Do you say it went into your parents' room? Did they did they say anything the next morning? Or, um, did they experience anything or was it they asleep? 
they were asleep and I didn't say anything when I got up because I was kind of just like, that was weird. So I went to school and I was told my friends and they were like, yeah, your house is fucking weird. And then, so I came home, I told my mum and she was like, where did it go? And I was like, your bedroom. And her face went a bit white, like, oh God. <laughs> and then I found out recently, I didn't know this until my sister told me that my mum saw it before I did, but she never mentioned it. She saw the same thing. What about um, your dad? Did, did your parents, both of them experience things in the house or? Um, I don't know if my dad did. Like, he's had ghost experiences in the past, but he's like, you know, the protector. He wouldn't say things because he doesn't want to scare because we were quite young. But yeah, so my mum, she now denies it and we don't know why. She's like so scared she's become a sceptic. It's funny you say that because my mum does the same. So me and my two older sisters, uh, if you've heard the podcast, I when I was talking about my experiences in the first episode, um, we hands down swear that that house was so haunted and uh, our mum to this day denies that it wasn't that it wasn't <laughs> but even she yeah. things happened to her and she she even saw apparition and stuff and the, when we talk about it, she's like oh no it wasn't she's the mum thing isn't it like you're saying they're trying to protect you and uh not, yeah not make you be scared yeah because she's all like oh that didn't happen we're like we i remember you screaming because you saw something this is another time i'll get onto that but she saw something and she screamed the house down but she's like i think she just likes to pretend it wasn't real yeah but um yeah but i found like so my sister said oh mum saw the same thing as you she just didn't tell you because she's not before me she didn't tell you because you would have been terrified because it was in your room so how old is the house i think 70 so it's not really old but the only research we've done for it is a man died there but we never saw a man we saw a woman I've had something on holiday once in a house, but apart from that, I've never had anything that is as weird as the house I grew up in. One of my other friends, she's a skeptic, and she was like, no, your house wasn't right. She was like, something about you just wasn't right. I can tell you about when my mum saw this big shadow, if you want, in the house. Yeah, go for it. I was about 19 because I was going out with this guy, and he was like six foot three, and he was a brick shit house, And he wasn't staying over, but my mum said she went to the loo, and she said, she didn't dread all the lights out. I don't know why, she just did. And she, she came out and she saw, even in the dark, this massive shape. And originally she thought, oh, it's Faye's boyfriend. And then she was like, he's not here. And it was still in front of my door, just wouldn't let her pass. And she screamed that house down. Like, I had her run back in her room and then my dad came shuffling out. And he was like, there's no one there, Jill. There's no one there. Faye's boyfriend's not here. And then I had to go to the loo and I was all like, I'll have to hold it all night now because it's outside my door. <laughs> that was that was terrifying. The scream she did is like a horror movie scream. And it was like middle of the night and I was all like, oh no. <laughs> well, I mean, this sounds like, um, what's it, what they called? Uh, is it shadow people? Yeah. So usually when you see like the, the black shadow, they, they describe it as um, blacker than black. So it... it if it was, it's a black that stands out against black, which is kind of weird saying, but um, yeah, but they're meant to be um, associated with, uh, as I say, evil and malicious sort of uh, spirits. So I mean, it's oh great, yeah, it's quite, it's quite spooky. And you said that that was seen twice in that house. Yeah. So lucky for you, your family aren't there anymore. I know. Me, actually, me and my friend drove past that house yesterday and I'm like, I wonder if they have anything. Like, I want to ask, but I don't want like, they've got young kids, so I don't want to be like, oh, how's the ghost? And then the kids be like, what? <laughs> it traumatised them. <laughs> yeah. 
What kind of house is it? Could you describe it to us? I've got a picture of it, actually. I can send it to you if you want. Yeah, please do. It just looks like, I mean, it looks a bit trash now because the people that live there haven't really upkept it, but you, you wouldn't look twice at it. It just looks like a normal semi-detached house. It's just, you know, standard British house one. You said you have another story for us, so the one where you're on holiday. Feel free to talk about that one. Uh, okay, so this was about five years ago. We went on a big family holiday. We stayed in, I was it? It was near Wales. It was like middle of nowhere. And my mum was like, oh, I found this cottage really cheap. We kept like joking, like, oh, no one's been there since the murders and stuff. Because it was like tucked away on a hill. And as we came into the village, everyone stopped and stared at us like in a movie. So it was like setting it all up. And it was a beautiful house. It was huge. I think it had, um, I think it was like an Airbnb sort of thing more than a ha- than a holiday sort of thing. That makes sense. Yeah. And who obviously did that before had had carers because they had um, downstairs, they had uh, one of those hospital beds. And it, it was a beautiful house, didn't feel anything. And then upstairs was like, um, kind of had an open plaid balcony. And at nighttime, I woke up because I could hear someone running up and down like the hallway and I was all like I don't want to wake up my husband because he's going to be like oh you're being stupid or whatever because he's a skeptic so I just laid there like there's definitely someone running up and down and I was like I don't think my sister would be doing it or my parents so and then I went back to sleep and in the morning I said who was running up and down and my sister said I heard that and both my parents heard it and my husband was actually awake all night we heard it all night yeah and he went oh that was a bit weird wasn't it that was like, that's mostly him admitting something paranormal you'll ever get with my husband. <laughs> it's always good when something happens to a skeptic, like a full on skeptic. Yeah, it's like, yeah. <laughs> Take that. And it was just, and then we were like, then the house kind of felt different after a couple of days. We would hear it every single night about the same time. And it's so I have a recurring dream every single night since, and it's about that house. Wow, no way. Yeah, every single night I have a dream about that house. Still to this day, you have a dream yeah. about that house. Yeah, wow. every single night for five years. What is the dream? Can you remember what the dream's about? Yeah, it's like it's falling apart and I'm just walking around it and I'm trying to find something in there. It's the same thing every single night. Have you looked into maybe the history of that house at all? No, I haven't. I don't know why. I just never have. I probably should do. I've got to try and find where it was again. My mum should have all the details still. But we're like, well, now we know why it was so cheap and everyone was staring at us as we were going up the hill. <laughs> and our last story this evening comes from episode eight of Frenchmen with Half a Face. Let's get into some of your stories. Take us way back. So we've heard your first story. What kind of piqued your interest in the paranormal in the first place? So let's hear some stories from the paranormal investigator days with you and your family. So it all started off. Our first one was in a place called Moot Hall in Bedford. It was run by a an elderly man called Clive. He That was the one we went out to him. We spoke to him. He was really interested in it. He's only had one or two companies in there before. And because it was a family business, he was really up for it and said, whatever you need, we can sort it out. And that we've done that one about four times in our year, year and a bit of experience with him. And every time we've been there, it's been probably one of my favourite and one of the, everyone's favourites one to go to sort of thing. So what is it that drew you and your family to Moot Hall? Have you heard previously about some things happening there? or? Um, we've had a couple of reviews where people left on just on Google and generally saying it was a bit of a spooky experience. It was opposite a graveyard as well with a famous person called John Bunyan. 
uh, I learned about him at school and spoke to my parents about it. He sort of owned the land and there was a lot of sort of like energy around there. We sort of, well, my mum definitely felt it when she first walked in and just we thought this would be the perfect one to sort of start off with. Did she feel bunions rubbing on her shoes? <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, <laughs> but she definitely felt something. <laughs> I definitely heard that name before. When you say it, John Bunyan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't live too far from Bedford, actually. Well, I grew up not too far from it. I don't know why, but you just said John Bunyan, and I'm like, oh, I know that name for some yeah. reason. <laughs> what was he famous for? Um, so I believe he owned most of Bedford, Toddington, and Harlington. Um, he was sort of like the landowner and kept a lot of, I think, I can't remember what it was, but I know he did a lot of land around there. There's a famous John Bunyan walk from, I think, Toddington all the way to Bedford which he sort of did himself. And I think he died near Moot Hall, but I'm not too sure on that one. So he definitely didn't sell plus-size shoes. <laughs> he did not, no. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit of the history of Moot Hall? Kind of. I know it was built in 1800s, I believe, and it was used as sort of like a Mayfair events for, for kids like that. It was also a soldier ba- uh, base camp, and I know it was famous for French soldiers for some reason. Um, but yeah, it had a lot of a lot of history there from from very early on. Take us into the beginning of the story of your experiences at Moot Hall. Yeah, so the first night it was more of a, a charity night that sort of kicked off the main business as well. Um, it was sold out within I think about an hour. Um, quite a few tickets there. A lot of it was family, but again, it sold out quite quick. So it was a lot of energy there already. Upstairs they have a huge table which we did our first sort. Of, I guess you call it seance which you sit around the table, you shout out your names, ask any questions, and it sort of gets the night started. Like A lot of energy build up. So me and my mum and her dad used to walk around the table saying, can you say your names? And sort of just like rile everyone up, ready for the night. And it got the energy going. So throughout that first night, there was a lot, lot going on, a lot of lights flashing. Because this is in pitch black, there's not many roads around there. So from the windows, you saw the lights coming in. A lot of things going up and down the stairs, which we had these automatic lights that used to go off a lot. And in the John Bunyan room, where another table is, it's all like isolated from everything. We did our first sort of like sit down talking session. I was in there and I know there was something happening when the lights down the stairs went off. I saw a man, which I think, oh, it's, it's my dad, like a, a big man. And I saw him wearing a French army uniform with a half-burnt face, which I got blown back by. I just sat there, I was like, yeah, that's that's not my dad sort of thing. Then we carried on, which we're doing a recording session during this as well. Then we, throughout the recording session, we asked him questions. And I think within 20 minutes, I decided to cry for no apparent reason. I literally just broke down. I was like, I don't know what's going on. Everyone thought it was because I was scared. I was like, no, I'm not scared. I don't know what's happening. And we decided to play back the recording. From the session, I said, I saw the man. To where I started crying, there was no no evidence, and we pressed record on that and left it to the side. So that was our first like big big experience, and we spoke to the owner Clive, and there is a famous French man in French uniform who used to be there a lot. So, wow, Callum. So this is all pretty intense. Um, so going back to what you said about being scared. So sitting here today, you sound pretty fearless about it all. It doesn't seem to kind of phase you having communication with the other the other world have you always been like that or have you kind of become 
desensitized to it from exploring so much yeah i'll say it's not really really phased me at all i've never really been spooked by it i just genuinely think find it really interesting why they're still here and why they're roaming the earth still so when you saw an army man with half a face that didn't phase you not at all no i just sort of sort of blown back and was like what is going on and it was just interesting to think that he hit me at the end there with me kind of crying it was it was really strange experience if it was a sad situation picking up on that negative energy can sort of uh, make you feel overwhelmed but uh, going back to the um you say the french soldier that you, that you saw was it a full body apparition did it look solid or was it sort of um slightly sort of uh see-through or was it like like you're sitting next to jamie now was it as clear as day uh yeah kind of it was kind of see-through it it was really weird it was like my dad's quite a tall man he's like six foot and it was like he was there but it wasn't him and that's what really blew me back and being in a french uniform which we googled later was identical really really was confusing he was wearing black and the uniform is a brown color um so it really did throw me off but seeing like a full man there was was scary <laughs> wow so it kind of used the silhouette of your dad mm. to um come across yeah that's pretty uh i mean fair play to you but i mean that would have sent the you know yeah. the shiver the shivers up me for a, yeah. for a start I'll be like right uh, I've, I've got my money's worth i'm going now <laughs> it's funny that the two people doing the podcast will be the first two out of the room yeah. <laughs> uh, so you've got another story uh you wrote in about which is called a uh, place called kelvden bunker and you heard a whistle noise there. Could you tell us a little bit more about this? Yeah, it's a place in Kelverton where if there was ever a nuclear war in, I think, the 80s, they would go down there, which wasn't particularly used or particularly, of we thought, haunted because obviously no one would die. There was no nuclear war. They didn't need to use it. But I'd say it's probably one of, one of our second best places to go just for the actual things going on there. It it's a spooky place it's really strange could you describe the location to us yeah so you go deep into a forest to actually get there you drive in it's about a mile driveway you pull up it's obviously turned into a museum now but before that it wouldn't be a museum you pull up you then have to walk another i say about 20 minutes down this forest place then you enter this sort of a normal looking house then you go into the house you obviously now it's a museum but it wouldn't be you go down a corridor and it's about a half an hour corridor i'd say which is just in complete black because it's underground no lights it is just the purest black you can see you go in there's a big steel door which is obviously used for explosions they have all weapons down there still then it is i think four floors i'd like to say of just like computers obviously all from the 80s computers um telemetry based sort of thing with all maps on it it's just it's huge you can get lost in there it's mental do you say this is open to the public like um obviously do you have to pay to get in guided tours and stuff yeah um it is open to the public now i, I believe it's still open this was obviously back in I don't know, 2016 sort of thing but um yeah it, it it's i think it's still open as a museum and it's not expensive to do the ghost tours are a bit more expensive because the owner knows what he's, he's sort of got sort of thing <laughs> But um, it is, yeah, it's a it's an amazing experience to go. Yeah, sounds really interesting. I think I'd quite actually like to visit that one day. Just for our listeners, if anyone's interested, whereabouts is this? 
Um, place called Kelvington, so I think it's about half an hour away from where we lived. I'm not too sure though, but it's about there. So it's half an hour from around Luton? Yeah, I would say so. So what happened there in uh, Kelvington? Um, so it started off the night in this long corridor in pure blackness. So I think there was about 20 of us again, because we used to do quite small groups, which made the experience a bit better for everyone. So I think there's about 20 of us. We're all in this long alleyway. Can't see anyone. Um, it wasn't too bad in that bit. There was not much going on. A couple of knocking noises, a couple of stones thrown and bits like that. We got to, I believe, the cafeteria, which we set up as our base. We then said, oh, it's your own free time. We'll go off and do whatever you need to do. We then was watching the CCTV, just everyone sort of walking about. Then we knew that CCTV had no no sound on it. And we heard probably one of the most blood curdling screams. It was a proper, proper scream. We thought if someone hurt, we, we went exploring. So no one said it was anything. And that that genuine, I've never seen my dad like shaking fear and that really got to him. Um, that was our first experience. Then ending off the night when everyone went home, our energy was low. It's about half four in the morning. We've been there since 11. We decided to call it in, go around all the rooms, check if we haven't left any equipment. And we heard a clear as day whistle, like literally we asked it to do it early on in the night to see if we can copy it. And it then copied it at the end of the night. We just said, it's way too late and we're too tired to go exploring this. But that was like, we knew someone was watching us in that place. And the whole night we thought someone was watching us. Thank you so much for joining us tonight on this special episode of Your Ghost Stories podcast. And remember, if you have a story you'd like to tell us, please get in touch with us at yourghoststoriespodcast.com. And from there, you can buy our merch. And if you enjoy what we're doing and you wish to keep us going, please consider buying us a coffee through the link provided below this episode. We are truly grateful for your support. Sleep tight. (laughs) 